right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris Sims. Oh, baby, here we go. Sims and Lepko back in action. It is episode 40. Uh, feeling really good. I just want to say really quick before we get into this. I am really proud of how last week's podcast went. I thought Idris Elba was awesome. He was. I thought everyone in here kicked butt, and I really enjoyed listening to it. If you haven't seen it, go back and listen to it or watch it right. iTunes or on the website because it was great. Yep. Number 40, who you got? Oh, man, there's so many good ones. Uh, Josh probably mean to the Mike Allstad. I can't believe I missed Mike Allstad, wow. who was a running back of mine. But the greatest 40 of all time. I'm going to go Chicago Bears. Exactly. That's Gale gr- Sayers. Gale Sayers. He exactly is number right. 40. Yes. Uh, so Pat co- Tillman, little recognition. Oh, little. Number 40. That dude's getting recognized all the time, right. and rightfully so. Number 40. Uh, we're going to get to around the whole O's in a second. But first, give you a breakdown of what we're going to have on this week's podcast. First up, the undefeated underdog. The curious case of the Carolina Panthers and those Dallas Cowboys Going to be the game on Thanksgiving to watch. We're going to go inside the Seahawks locker room with Bobby Wagner, ask him some really cool questions. We know he's a baller. We'll see what he says. And uh, Sims is catching up to me in the picks game. Chip, 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 chip. I'm not a fan of it. Chip, chip, chip. And I can feel myself losing, and I don't like it. Let's go over to Josh. Josh, do you have any other 40s for us? No, Mike Allstott was mine. I gave it to Sims before the show, which was uh, my mistake that I should have just kept it to myself. Yeah, he was my teammate first. Yeah, that is true. I never played in the NFL. 40 going on 23. Wow, that's pretty young for me, I would say. All right, let's get some Gabe's fingers. Oh, yeah. The dirtiest hands in the tri-state area. And a quick hello to the control room and the beautiful faces that make this possible. Hello. Look at this. I see you, Steinmetz, back I there. I see you, Bruffo. I see you, Bruffo. I want to say, <laughs> when Idris Elba saw you guys in the back and was going nuts, his reaction made it all worth it for me. Yeah, that was cool. And I liked Bruffo standing up because he knew it was going to be big. <laughs> he knew it was going to be big. Uh, I think the crazy thing is, is... Did they put us on CNN and stuff for that? I don't know. I think no, it's we spread some places. We, okay. were, we were big in the U.K. Oh, we were. Because he, he called out uh, right. Jose, Jose Marino. Marino. Jose Marino. <laughs> Those dumb American broadcasters don't know who Jose Marino is. That was funny. Um, we have been champions of the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton all year. Right. I will say that I have definitely tried to, to do that. Yep. And they've, they've made us look good. I know in, in Josh's pick'em pool, they reward him every week. <laughs> and now it comes in, and they, they start off as one-point favorites against the Cowboys. The line is now even. That's wow. how quickly the money is going towards the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Um, and it's really interesting that it does seem like Dallas, with one game back, Tony Romo in the fold, are the favorites in this game with an undefeated Carolina Panthers. Yes. Um, first, I just – do you trust the Panthers? Let's just get this out of the way. Are they for real – are they a 10-0 and team in your mind? Yeah, they are. There's nothing not to trust about them. I think what you see is what they are. They're going to be physical. They can throw the ball down the field with one of the best down-the-field throwers in the game and Cam Newton and then the power run game. You know, it's like we talk we talk a lot behind the scenes about offenses that are really hard to defend. You know, schematically, yeah, you might look at their offense and go, oh, they're not that hard to defend, but they make you defend the whole field, and there yeah. is something to that. I want to say this. If I'm going to make the argument against the Carolina Panthers, this is what I would say. Sure. And I've been pro-Panthers the whole year. Right. The quarterbacks and teams they've beaten, they start off the year, they beat Blake Bortles, Ryan Mallett, 
Luke McCown's in for Drew Brees. Right. Jameis four games in. Right. They face the Seahawks after their own bye when the Seahawks were a mess. Yes. They beat the Eagles in which was a pretty close game. Right. They survive against Andrew Luck. Right. They survive against Aaron Rodgers. Right. Late comebacks and Rodgers had just faced Denver. Right. They beat the Titans and Washington. Right. And they faced Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck at home. Yes. Um, I guess with all this notion, though, we've seen this in the past before. 10-0 and 0 teams that get out there, and, and people really don't have a lot of faith in sure. them. Sure. And what's crazy is, is when you look at all time, we've heard this before, 16 teams that start off 10-0. That includes the Patriots and the Panthers. Right. I think my dad was a part of one of the 10-0 teams. The Nine Giants. of the 16 played in the Super Bowl. Right. Six went on to win the Super Bowl. Right. But I think the reason that I have some doubt against the Panthers, sure. and I think a lot of people have doubts, since 2000, there have been six teams that have gone 10-0. Right. Three of them played in the Super Bowl. Right. Only one of the six won it. But my issue is three of those 10-0 teams lost in the divisional round. Right, and I was a part of one of them. 2005 Colts. Right. 2011 Packers. Right. 2008 Titans. Mm. You were on one of those 10-0 teams. Right. And you were in a very similar situation to the Panthers. Yeah. Instead of a healthy Romo and the Cowboys, you had a healthy Brett Favre for the New York Jets. Right. What was that week like? Well, I think the first thing, when you go 10-0, the, the first thing you got to jump that jumps out to you, the pressure does start to mount. It does. It, it does. Definitely within the players, the whole organization, there's this, oh, let's keep this going. They want to keep, hey, maybe we got a chance to be perfect. So it does kind of pile on you to a degree. It really does. Because the media is constantly asking you about it. Of course, we hear cool. that, but do the players talk about it? The players talk about it too. Like, certainly. give me an example of conversations well, you would have. Well, just if you were being, you know, you're at home or you're getting a burger or a beer or whatever, it'd be like, oh, man, I mean, you know, we got a chance. We, we, beat, we beat this team this week. Mm. Then we got blah, blah, and blah. You start I mean, thinking ahead. We're better than them. And Which then, is rare for an NFL exactly athlete. Exactly right. But it does. It, because you're just constantly being, being asked about it. Yeah. It becomes part of the conversation. Of course, most guys in an NFL locker room understand the history of being able to go undefeated. Uh, but interesting thing with me. Uh, so we're 10-0. We're going to play Brett Favre. The man genius, New York Jets. Yes. They're coming into town. They I won four in a row. They won four in a row. What was their record at the time? I don't even remember. But it was like seven and three. It maybe. was really good. You guys were coming off a very close win on the Jaguars. Exactly right. We weren't playing our best ball. And I know Fisher thought, man, guys are a little uptight. You're also beat up. You're playing in ten games where you've won. And a lot of them come down to the very end of the football game. Jeff Fisher did something I thought that was really brilliant that week. And you might like this. So it's a Wednesday practice. We're out there. Uh, he, I think he feels like we were in there Monday. The team was still a little beat up uptight. Yeah. We get out to practice. They tell us to get out there. There's no Fisher. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are we out here? It's like a weird day. I can see up in the sky. There's like a helicopter, like a little dot way up in the sky. They tell us to look up. I'm like, all right, look up. I see that helicopter. You can barely hear it. All of a sudden, I see a little dot falling down. It's Jeff Fisher and a Marine skydiving out of the damn Stop helicopter. It. Yes. Uh, and they come down, land on our practice field. Jeff Fisher's got his legs up and skids across the, the, the field for about 20 yards. Uh, and, of course, we all know his great walrus yeah. mustache. I mean, it's frozen. It's got icicles on it. Because he's coming from yeah, so coming high. coming from, yeah. like, you know, 10,000 feet But what up. was the purpose of him doing that? He wanted to relax the football team. We lost the game. It didn't matter. But he wanted to relax the football team a little bit. Give you get something else to talk about. Yeah, get something else. Let's, let's create a little energy on this Wednesday practice. So it did help you guys. It did help. You think start, so? Yeah, we lost the game. They beat us. Uh, but we, I think we ended up losing one more game that year. We ended up winning home field advantage. And we lost two more games. Two more year. games. We ended up 13-3. and three. Mm-hmm. And the big thing is 
yeah, you say we lost in the divisional playoff game, but I mean, I didn't do anything, but we dominated the Baltimore Ravens. That was the year Pittsburgh beat Baltimore yes. in the championship game, and then Pittsburgh beat Arizona in the Super Bowl. We dominated Baltimore, had three turnovers, I think, inside the 15-yard line. Oof. We had like two Lendell White fumbles and an Algie Crumpler, yes. who has a similar size butt to you. Uh, fumbled inside there as well. But, yes, uh, th- there is pressure. Guys want it, That's interesting. it's cool. Because they'll deny it all week. Yes, they're going to deny it, try to deny it publicly, uh, without a doubt. If Dallas wins this game, right. how big of a threat are they in the NFC and the entire playoff well, picture? Because I feel like if they win this game, everyone's going, here come the Cowboys, man. Yes. Here come the Cowboys. Well, the pull of their schedule, too, Josh. I mean, the biggest thing with the Cowboys, too, I just watched the Miami film. I watched their offense. I wanted to see Tony Romo play. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's amazing. He really is unbelievable. There's no doubt about it. The, the fact the offense doesn't change under Tony Romo, it's that they don't waste a play. Now, if you ever watch a Cowboys game, I mean, every play goes down to one second with Tony Romo away because yes. he changes it. So they never waste a play. They are always in the correct play call for whatever the defense is. That's the magic of Tony Romo, whether run game or pass game. That makes them hard to defend. Defense physical as heck. Ugh. It's going to be a really interesting game. It's going to be close, I think, extremely physical. So after they play Carolina on Thanksgiving, right. they go on the road to Washington in Week 13, right. on the road to Green Bay in Week 14, right. home against the Jets in Week 15, yep. on the road at Buffalo in Ooh. Week 16, Ooh. and then home against the Redskins in Week 17. Yeah, that's brutal. So the Packers, Jets, you know Bill funny? Stretch. They're talented enough to win all of them. They are. They match up really well with the Packers. That'll be interesting. We know that. The funny thing with the Jets and the Bills is they're just like the Cowboys, kind of big and physical up front, not that imaginative. I think the thing with Tony Romo you talked about is magic. Oh, wow, Terrence Williams likes to have law balls thrown on his back shoulder. (laughs) Tony knew that. Wow, Jason Witten's really good at the option route with Tony Romo. He's got that. And the difference between Tony Romo and other quarterbacks, he is as elusive as Teddy Bridgewater in terms of extending plays. The difference is is that when Teddy breaks out, he throws the ball away. When Tony breaks out, he hits Dez Bryant on a slant across. Yeah. The middle for he is a magician. He's an absolute baller. Right. I want to give him credit. Um, I will say this: on Thanksgiving, with the nation watching, Greg Hardy could have seven sacks in this game when they beat Carolina. He ain't eating turkey legs. Well, he ain't winning MVP. Big, they will big, find a big way. Big Phil's calling that game, so you better talk to Big Phil. All right, Big Phil. I'll be interesting actually. If Big Phil gives him the Iron Man Award. That's what they pick do. Carolina, Dallas later. So okay, we'll get you want to talk about that it. game and break it down. Uh, I will say that I think the Dallas Cowboys are one of my five teams that can win the Super Bowl right, right now. Right. Usually the five teams I look at are the teams that can beat the Patriots. Right. And Tell in case you. anyone forgot, the Cowboys were one of your Super Bowl teams prior to the season the when you took 45 minutes over right dinner. Now, Patriots. Cardinals. Cardinals. Carolina. Carolina. Dallas. And uh, who's the team? Pittsburgh, team? maybe? Pittsburgh. Okay. Those are my five. I had a feeling you weren't going to say Cincinnati. No. They're, right. not, they're not capable. Right. They're not. That's that's. That, I understand your thought. I, I mean, hey, I'm AJ with you. Green, you can't get off a jam. You can't win the Super Bowl. I don't know if the Cowboys can get to the playoffs. I'm with you there. But, but in terms of they the get guys, in there, yes, they have the quality team that can win a Super Bowl. And I'm willing to go one step further here on the Simpson Leftco podcast. I have more balls than you. <laughs> I am a firm believer, and I'll take this ISO cam really quick. Your Super Bowl champions this year will be the Arizona Cardinals. I am, I am ready to make that claim. It is week heading into Week 12. I am firmly committed that they are going to win the Super Bowl. They have all the pieces. They are lacking a running game, but it's okay. Because yeah. if they're in a clash with the Patriots, they don't have a running game either. They have the wide receivers. They have a strong enough offensive line. 
and they have the shutdown corner and safeties, and let, they uh, they are my Super Bowl Very pick. dangerous. I'm saying it now in Week 12. I'm just getting it out there. Yeah, it's, it's, and their run game is better than people realize. I mean, Chris Johnson, he's what he's still one of the five, top five leading rushers in football, crazy. I believe, which is crazy. Uh, but, I, I mean, I'll second your thought with now Edelman maybe yes. not being healthy, no Deion Lewis. Ooh, does that even the play field? The whole NFL came back to the pack with New England now. Yeah. And we've seen that the last two weeks. The New England offense has struggled. Ronald certainly. Darby did well against Kronk. I think Matthew would do well against Kronk. I, I, I'm, I agree. And they can change it up on the defensive side of the ball. And what did we see last, you know, from the Bills on Monday night against uh, New England? They took away a lot of areas to throw. You know, Brady, they love to dink and dunk you over yeah. the middle. They had guys at the line of scrimmage looking like they were going to drop out. So they really yes. clouded some of the areas New England likes to throw. It's going to hurt them without Edelman. Oh, I want to talk New England because they are still the favorites of the NFL. Right. They are still the team. They were my Super Bowl pick, and I'm proud of it because we thought they'd drop off and they didn't. Right. The Patriots <clears throat> are taking the Broncos. I look at this matchup and go, wow, you know, we thought it was a Patriots-Broncos rivalry. It's a Bill Belichick-Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning rivalry. Yeah. It wasn't. Colts, Patriots, right. it was Manning Patriots. <laughs> and that's always been the rivalry. Right. So with Manning out and Osweiler in, my first instinct is to go, this rivalry is dead. The game is not as sexy right. without Peyton Manning. You kind of have a different take on this. Yeah, well, I, I understand your thought about it not being as sexy, but I, I am one that believes we're going to see a better football game <laughs> with Brock Osweiler in there. I really do believe that. First thing I did Monday was watch Bears-Broncos. I wanted to watch what Brock Osweiler did. Uh, they got the running game going. Yep. You know, One of the reasons they got the running game going is because they were able to do a lot of bootlegs with Brock Osweiler that controls the backside pursuit of the run game, which Kubiak likes to cut back those zone plays. So that makes them more dangerous from that standpoint. Osweiler being able to throw on the move and throw the ball down the field. Yes. I, think, I think New England will watch film this week and go, man, I wish we were playing Peyton Manning. I don't mean to disrespect Peyton, Os- but I do think that's what they're going to think. Osweiler had three or four 20-yard throws on the run into space. Yes. And with wide receivers in Denver, you're going to have guys get into space. You really are. Who, how do you see this game playing out? Can Denver still match up now with Brock at quarterback? I, I, yes. I think they're going to make the game extremely ugly. And I think then again, like we just talked about with Arizona, we're talking about maybe the best nickel secondary in football. Now, with no Julian Edelman, this is the kind of game where – uh, the Denver Broncos are going to say, you know, up, up yours, New England. We're not scared of anybody of anybody running by. Yeah. Danny Amendola, Akeem Tlaib's not going to be worried about Danny Amendola running a go route behind him. So they're going to take away the short passing game. New England's going to have to find some more creative ways to get Gronk the ball down the mm. field uh, because he's really their biggest down-the-field threat they have. Let me ask uh, you, do you, have, do you have more confidence? We're not picking yet, right? In the, no, no. Do you have okay. more confidence in the Patriots scoring against the Broncos' defense or the Broncos scoring against the Patriots defense? Uh, I have more confidence in the Patriots. Just because of their offensive system? Their offensive system. Uh, of course, Brady has the advantage over yeah. Osweiler. Uh, Josh McDaniels, if you look at his history, has had tremendous success against Wade Phillips. I was there twice. Really? Well, in 2012, when I was working there, we played Houston Texans, who I think had like one of the three best defenses in football that year. We played them twice. And we torched him. I mean, uh, and that and was when I, the Texans were like, Texans the, were good. I think we beat him in the divisional playoff game, yes. like forty to nine or something yeah. like that. But yeah, we thought that was the emergence of JJ Watt. I mean, I had to do more ga- breaking down of JJ Watt. I was so sick of him by the end of the week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Josh has a beat on that Wade Phillips defense, and um, I, I think the other thing I look at too, even though Osweiler are going to be harder to defend than Peyton Manning. 
their offense still very predictable, and that would scare me a little bit with Bill Belichick because when he has one guy that can just shut down a receiver, yeah. he can orchestrate other things to take away what you like Without to do. Without Edelman and Lewis. Really close, ugly game. How, how, but the Patriots as a whole, are you still... I'm still, yeah, they're, 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 listen, they're the king. We've seen them weather this storm before. I mean, I'm, I'm, I learned my lesson last year for the Kansas City game. I'm done counting out the New England Patriots. Yeah. They have officially whooped my butt in that. So, yes, uh, they'll find a way to get it done. They ran the ball a little bit better on Monday night against the Buffalo Bills. LeGarrette Blount looked good. They're, they're going to just have to change their attack. It might take a week or two to get it all gelled together. It is uh, crazy when you look at the NFC playoff picture right now and you see we, we can talk about teams like Dallas and Seattle still being in the mix right. where they've had historically bad starts to the season. Right. Dallas right now, of course, at 3-7, and seven, but yeah. we, they have all the talent in the world. Seattle goes out there, lays a whooping on San Francisco. Yep. They are right now at 5-5. Five and five, Right behind Tampa Bay, looking at the NFC playoffs. Right. I just want to make sure I got my teams right. That's why I'm looking. Get rid of divisions. Yeah. Get rid of divisions. Right. What rank is Seattle in the NFC? Okay. All right. I got it right here. Uh, My first premonition is to... Premonition. Is that right? Is that the correct phrase of that word? I think think you're good there. I think I was good there. My first inclination, maybe? Inclination. Inclination, Inclination. there we go. would be like you predicting the future. Well, I mean, I said to Idris Elba that I was meant to say his clothes were cool, and I said it was faux pas, which is not cool. So not only did Sims tell Idris Elba that he had a fashion (laughs) faux pas, I also re-listened to it. Idris Elba said, I don't like people that that sit on the fence, pick a side. And you went, oh, screw the fence. And then underneath you go, I don't like anything in my butt. You said that. Right. And no one caught that. Oh, you're right. That's what you made you laugh. Yeah, I watched it back. I'm like, Sims just looks at each other and goes, yeah, I don't look at anything about butt. Well, I'm surprised Mother Hen didn't cut the word butt out of the podcast. Nah, that's clear. You're My good mom with that. looked at it last week. She's like, I don't understand the, uh, you know. That means she's got to watch more episodes the of the podcast. Right, right. That's, that's okay. Always Mother Hen. Her and a few other people need to start watching the podcast. I agree. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, I would make uh, the fifth best team in the NFC. So you're putting Cardinals, Panthers ahead of them? Yes. Um, I'm still putting Green Bay ahead of them. Okay. And, ooh, yeah, I think I might make them six, actually, because I'm going to put Minnesota five and them six. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think Minnesota Minnesota's was, four. Uh, oh, Minnesota, yeah, Chicago, yeah, yeah, so I'm fair. I was right, five. 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 I would make them fifth. So I would you put have Green Bay bo- and Minnesota ahead of them. Mm. Yes. Uh, I love Seattle's defense, but uh, that offense is scary to me. Just you know? like you will never doubt the Patriots, you will never trust Daryl Bevel. No, These are not, things that are proven in time. They are facts. They are Sims facts. Yes. It just drives me crazy because people, you know, again, last week they blame Russell Wilson. Hey, I watched the tape of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, receivers for the Seattle Seahawks are not going to blame Russell Wilson and Daryl Bevel. That's what I always say. They're like, well, he didn't blame Daryl Bevel. Uh, well, of course, what do you think he was going to blame his play caller so he never gets a, like Doug Baldwin stuck up for Daryl Bevel? And people are like, well, maybe Daryl Bevel is not at fault. Maybe it is Russell Wilson. Did you think he was going to go, man, our offensive coordinator stinks. I mean, he'll never get a ball again. So, of course, he's not going to say that. But, yes, Daryl Bevel, that offense, they do nothing. They just run the same 10 mm. plays all week, every game. And, uh, yeah, I have no confidence in it. Unbelievable. Right. It's so disappointing. It is. There's a number of offenses that I think are very disappointing in the Who NFL. are the Chris Simses? Look at, look at all here. Yeah. Okay. Who are the Chris Sims teams that you're most disappointed in from an offensive schematic creativity standpoint? Yeah, okay. Your Philadelphia Eagles are one. The Denver Broncos are an- another one. Uh, I would say... Uh, of course, Buffalo and the New York Jets, uh, as far as their passing games are concerned. Yes. Um, 
And I am – I mean, the Green Bay Packers – the Green Bay Packers have the worst passing offense in football. If they don't have Aaron Rodgers, nothing happens. Um, yeah, and there, there's a few others in there, but those are the, at least the teams that are competitive right now yeah. and in that conversation. And uh, who are the offenses that go, wow, I didn't expect that? Uh, well, I like Carolina's offense. Carolina, Yeah, even though it's, it's not, like you said, not sexy, Cam's not sexy, they make you defend the whole field, and yeah. they know what they are. So there's a rhyme and rhythm behind the play calling. Oh, we're going to smash it up your mouth. We're going to smash it up your mouth. Oh, Cam's going to keep it. Oh, Cam's going to fake the smash up the mouth and bootleg. Oh, we're going to fake the smash mouth. He's going to throw it 40 yards down the middle of the defense. So at least it, it comes together. It's funny because I think – as someone who never watched film before and who I would say genuinely does not understand schemes, right. but I'm starting to see it, right. we always think, wow, X's nose, you're going to draw it up and it's going to be complex. You're going to fight. People, you're not, no one's inventing new routes. No one's inventing new route exactly, combinations. Right. These are, there's, everything's been done. But the thing that you see that I didn't see until now is the timing and the rhythm in which you call the plays. Yes. And the way in which you set it up. How are you going to And the ability to recall old plays exactly. and tying it all together. Exactly. Yes. Who are the best at that? Well, I, I think you right away, you start off with Josh McDaniels and probably Kyle Josh Shanahan. Josh and Kyle, absolutely. But what, who are some guys that have been around for a while that do it well? Oh, as far as just the, the play calling you're yes. saying? Yeah, well, Chudzinski's amazing at that. Chudzinski's always been a very good player for the Indianapolis sure. uh, Colts now that he's taken over. Uh, same with Bruce Arians, same thing. I mean, oh, well, they have Bruce a lot is... of plays that look the same, that are slightly different, or we've run this run play all game long, but we have the perfect play action that looks exactly like the run. I mean, Bruce is a genius. Um, you know, I think when I really look at it, the issue comes to these true West Coast guys, and that's what Seattle, uh, Denver, and Green Bay are, to where they just say, oh, we're going to run our stuff. We're going to run our stuff. Then what do you do all week preparing for the football game? That's what I don't understand. You're just going to run your stuff. And what? don't even watch film. Just slant flat. You guys got to figure it out. What do you got to watch for? I don't understand that. So uh, those offenses lack creativity, lack imagination. It's like I've always told you. It's like uh, Green Bay's meat and potatoes of their offense, Seattle Seahawks' meat and potatoes of their offense. Yeah. It's like the, the, the first 20 plays every team in football puts in the first day of spring practice. We got about a minute before Bobby? Yeah, a minute or two. All right, Bobby let me, Wagner. Let me ask you this. Packers go out there. We were both very bullish on Minnesota. Right. Green Bay proved us wrong yes. very handily. Right. And Eddie Lacy was at the forefront of that. Yep. Can we rely on Eddie Lacy to be that Eddie Lacy the rest of the year? Because if he's that, I understand why you're putting the Packers three. Yeah. I, can you rely, do you think we can rely on him? I, I do. I, I got to think Eddie Lacy's – I think Eddie Lacy's a little old school. At least that's what I've been told. Like, if he's injured, he doesn't tell anybody. He kind of just sucks it up and still plays. So I do think there were some little underlying issues there that he wasn't going to make an excuse and say my ankles and my ribs hurt to the yeah. media. So uh, I've heard, at least through the grapevine, that he is healthy. Yeah, I do think we're going to see more of a run game there. Because that changes everything. It changes everything, but, you know, it, the amazing thing to me is, oh, the Packers' offense has been fixed. I mean, 16 for 34, and it's been fixed, and he had to make, what, 16 of the most unbelievable completions yeah. in, we've ever seen. So, no, by no stretch of the imagination is it fixed, but if they can run the ball, then at least 12 can make some plays down the field, and at least there's something there to defend. Need another couple minutes, uh, but we do have some mid-podcast breaking news. We do. The Ooh. Browns have announced that Johnny Manziel is their third-string quarterback going forward. Not surprised. Here's Josh. what we're going to do. Josh, run us through down the recent events of Johnny Manziel. It's something that, honestly, I mentioned to you before. I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up yeah, because I do think it's interesting that we are talking about a person who is going through some issues. And I do think you need to say that first and foremost. Yeah. Now, 
We can talk about how it impacts him on a football team. But I also think we need to go, because if you've seen the video of Johnny Menzel partying at a club, which Josh will talk about in the timeline, he is surrounded by people taking selfies. And we will talk about that in a second. But he's singing hip-hop, which is fine, whatever, with a bottle. Right. But this is a man who said he was going to keep it quiet because yeah. he's been loud as of late. Right. So there's a, a long, long timeline of stuff that has happened with Johnny going all the way back to college. I don't think we need to rehash no. all of that. But the most recent stuff... Uh, February of this year, he entered rehab, came out of rehab in mid-April. Uh, if you remember, in May, he was at the golf tournament where he threw a water bottle at a heckler. Uh, right. That happened in May. Right. Uh, but then the big thing that happened recently was in mid-October, he was pulled over after a, an argument with his girlfriend in his car. He admitted to drinking earlier in the day. Uh, the police determined that he was not drunk while he was driving, and he wasn't charged. Uh, last week, it came out that the NFL would not discipline Johnny for that incident in October. And then this week, there was the video that you just referenced of Manziel partying. Allegedly, it was during the bye week. When Manziel was asked about it, he kind of made reference to the possibility that it could have been old footage. Uh, but there were a couple reports that confirmed that he was at clubs in Austin, Texas over the weekend. And I would so, say that if they're making him the third-string quarterback, they brought him in a room and he said that was this week. That, uh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, they're... they're I covered a Cleveland game week three. Uh, I've met Mike Pettin many times. Mike Pettin's old school Pennsylvania high school football coach uh, who's, you know, down to his roots, work hard, grind it out. Uh, typical Pennsylvania guy, right? Just working class guy. Yeah. And then through his eyes, I got this young punk who has no respect for our league, take, take work me, take, ethic. What do you think of Johnny Vinsell right now? Uh, well, I, I mean, what he did, the, the, it's, I, I, I honestly am shocked at how dumb he is. That's all I can really say. I can't believe he can make a statement and say, you won't hear anything from me this week. And he goes down to Austin, Texas and drinks publicly in enemy, tory, en- enemy territory. I mean, it'd be like me going back and partying at Texas A&M. Of course they're going to make videos not of me. Not only that, but, to yeah. what you were saying, right. he made the comment, you're not going to hear from me. Right. And the issue when I watch the video it's not that I have an issue with him drinking because yeah. you clearly have a problem. Right. It's that people were taking selfies, and if you watch the video, he's turning to the camera to sing into the camera, and then the camera comes over here, and he's singing into the camera. Do you realize that you're singing into a loaded gun pointed right at your career? <laughs> right. The one thing you can't do is be in the public eye drinking. Right. For beyond his own personal demons. You need to understand that you're doing the number one thing that's got you in trouble thus far. Yeah, and you got to understand that it, you know if you want to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, uh, most head coaches in football are very conservative, hardworking guys, and they don't want to see you know guys who don't work that hard have lack of respect for the game they're involved in. Yes, uh, all that, and really, I got that through the when we we did the Oakland Raiders Cleveland Browns game week three. That was. Right the week before, Cleveland won and Manziel was the starting quarterback. Remember, they beat the yes. Tennessee Titans yes. through the two big pass plays. Right. Uh, so everybody Benjamin. there was excited. First thing I asked Mike Pedden, hey, you know, uh, just give me a little inside look at the discussion between Josh McCann. Well, really, there was no discussion. It was a very easy decision. That's exactly how he answered mm. it. It's a very easy decision. Shocking after a guy just won the game and won two picks. Yeah. But it told me where Manziel was at in Petten's eyes. He wasn't just going to let him, oh, you threw two touchdowns. You've acted like a jerk for the last Do you think he has months. a long leash in this league, or do you think that people are going to be very skeptical of him? No, I think they were skeptical already. 
because of off the field and on the field. I think both were yeah. skeptical. Now, yeah, he's going to have issues. And either him or Pettin's going to be gone from Cleveland. Uh, most likely it'll be Pettin because they're not playing enough, well enough on the field. Yeah. Uh, but if Pettin stays somehow, I, I, I'd be shocked if Johnny Menzel's on the Cleveland Browns. But the IFB in your ear, we have someone who hones in their craft, who's been a part of a franchise that has been on top of the mountain many times. He's a Super Bowl champion. Bobby Wagner, a baller, baller, baller linebacker who's joining us now. We appreciate it. Bobby, I, I, I want to ask you first. Um, appreciate the introduction. Oh, man. You, you got to heap praise where it's deserved. Here we are talking about lack of leadership. I'm curious. In the Seattle locker room, defense is coming together at halftime. Who's the one doing all the talking? Who, who is the, I, I don't want to say the alpha, but of that defense? Um, I feel like we have a lot of leaders on the uh, defense. I feel like each particular group has a has a leader. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, Mike B, Cliff, uh, me, Bang is definitely the leaders in the um for the defense, me and KJ are the leaders for the linebacker, and uh, you know, definitely feel like Cam Earl and, and Sherman are leaders. You know, I feel like we we uh, understand each other's you know strong points and, and let everybody just kind of shine, you know, when they need to. Well, I, that was a good question by you because I think we talk about your defense so much, but your offense. I'm interested to know, other than Russell Wilson, who's one of the guys you look at on the offensive side of the ball that kind of rallies the troop? Because it can't always be the quarterback that does it. You know, I think a lot of people don't even realize it, but I think, you know, uh, you know, other than uh, Russell, I think Marshawn is a really, really good leader. Like I said, like he he has a lot of especially for me, you know, when I first came to lead, he gave me a lot of advice, you know, as far as like, you know, what he does or what he sees, you know, from linebackers that, you know, have him kind of looking at the chops to, to play them. So. You know, I've learned a lot from Marshawn on and off the field. Okay. I can only imagine the last three years, if I was going to go into an Arizona Cardinals locker room, they were probably answering so many questions about trying to catch up to the Seahawks and hang with the Seahawks. Is it weird that those questions are now coming to you guys? Um, not really. You know, we understand that, you know, they're having a great season right now and, you know, definitely coming off a, a big win. But, um, you know, I feel like we can't really control that Our you know, we can control, um, you know, the stuff that we do. Um, you know, we don't really focus on Arizona that much. All right. So I always like to ask, uh, you know, players. I was an ex-player. Who was, who was the guy that you looked at growing up that you wanted to emulate, you know, once you got to the NFL? Is there a linebacker that you watched always growing up that was your idol? Uh, of course, I watched Ray Lewis a lot, you know, a lot growing up. I liked the way he played. Um, I liked the way Derek Briss played as well. Okay. Um, you know, especially like closer into the college years, I did pay attention to Patrick Willis. But, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of favorite favorite guys and guys I try to emulate. I feel like, you know, even now, you know, you got guys around the lead that you try to, you know, pick some of their strong points from their game and try to add it to yours. Well, that's the next question I wanted to ask you because I played with Derek Brooks, so I like that one. But who, who, who do you watch as far as linebackers in the NFL? When you turn on the film, you just go, man, he's an unbelievable player. Who's the number one guy that comes to your mind? Besides anybody on your own team, you can't say K.J. Wright. I'm going to say K.J. Wright, man. <laughs> I knew it. And you tried to sneak it, sneak it away. I now, knew you would go there. I like a lot of linebackers, man. I'm really a fan of the game. So, of course, like Luke, Levante, um, Vontez, uh, Navarro, um, Clay Matthews been playing really well at the mic position. Yeah. You know, I guess a lot of uh, inside linebackers that, that does, a, does a great job, especially uh, Brandon Marshall as well. 
I, I want to say it's interesting. The linebacker position from Sims and I's vantage point is changing a lot. And we're seeing these safety hybrids, especially in your division, start playing linebacker. Mark Barron with St. Louis. You guys were one of the innovators with that. San Francisco, they draft Jaquiski Tart. We see the Arizona with Dayon Buchanan. Did you guys kind of innovate that stuff and everyone's following it? Um, you know, I definitely feel like people have uh, looked at our defense and tried to, uh, you know, take what they can from our defense and try to recreate it. Um, but I definitely feel like the the linebacker, the middle linebacker position is a very valuable position because it's, you know, the quarterback of the defense. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, it's only going to get better and better. And, you know, they're going to try to put more safeties in because safeties are getting bigger. You know, uh, they're not you know, one something, they're 220, Cam's like 230, mm -hmm. you know, like we got bigger um, safeties coming in that's just as fast. So they're just trying to, you know, make ways to, to make sure they're on the field. All right, so this is just something I got as far as food for thought. But, of course, you know, do you talk about this in the locker room? Because uh, so many, so much of your salary cap has been spent on a lot of your big-name guys, and deservedly so. I'm certainly not taking credit. Because you guys have been ballers. Right, you guys have been ballers. But – do you ever do you guys ever talk about maybe lack of depth on the team because so much money is tied up into all the ballers of the Seattle Seahawks? Is that something that comes up in conversation? No, it definitely doesn't come in conversation. I feel like, you know, we as players take care of, you know, the stuff on the field and we let the GMs and owners take care of the stuff outside of that. But that being said, I feel like, you know, we have a lot of depth, a lot of players that people haven't heard about and haven't got that opportunity to show that, you know, they're great players that will get that opportunity to show that they're great players. So, um, you know, I feel it's kind of a kind of a mutual thing. You got to understand that we have a lot of great athletes on our team that just haven't got the opportunity to showcase that. Bobby, I think part of the reason why I enjoyed the Seahawks, why I enjoy you guys being good in the NFL is because it means more face time for a lot of guys on your team. Because I look at you and Doug and Cam and Richard and a host, Michael Bennett Michael is Bennett, hilarious. Right. You, guys, <laughs> you guys are good advocates for the league. Now, I want to have kind of a separate – now, look, I know you guys are very good at staying one day at a time and living in that moment. Can you explain to me what a celebrity quarterback is? I don't know what a celebrity quarterback is. I think he's just a quarterback that a lot of people know. I don't know. Like, what is a celebrity quarterback? Because I ask you this because it's unbelievable how people pick apart players on your team. Russell Wilson was in the crosshairs, a quote-unquote celebrity quarterback. What is, beyond? don't have to answer if he is that, what is Russell Wilson in your eyes? Um, in my eyes, Russell Wilson is not only a great player, but a great person. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, he's a, a tremendous person off the field. And I feel like um, a lot of the times, in my opinion, if we were winning and, and doing everything that we needed to do, and if we were 8-0 or 10-0, whatever the case may be, y'all wouldn't even be talking. I wouldn't say y'all, but, the, you know, the media wouldn't, wouldn't be talking about that. They would be trying to, you know, hype them up and all that other stuff. But the fact, you know, you lose some games and everyone, everybody wants to try to find – you know, what's going wrong and what's this and what's that. And if they can't find it, they'll look into stuff outside the field and make, you know, make distractions that aren't distractions. You know, everybody has a wife. Everybody has a girlfriend. Everybody has, you know, things that go on outside of their life, you know. But, you know, he plays the quarterback position. So, you know, he is, you know, more so in front of the camera than anybody else. But, you know, he's an amazing person. You know, I feel like, you know, he he's one of those guys that puts in the works, first one in, last one out. 
So, you know, I, I don't really see where it's coming from, but, you know, he has the support in our locker room and that all that matters to well, me. Yeah, we love him. Don't get I am, like, literally his number one defender on the planet. So we just we get sick of hearing that talk all the time. That's why well, we wanted to Well, what's interesting is, and Bobby, I'll tell you this, man, athletes, stars, celebrities in our culture right now, a funny thing happens. Boy, we love to build you up. And once you've hit the peak, we're looking to bring you back down. We'll build you up again, but you got to come mm-hmm. down. And I, and I think what's interesting is you guys have faced that all year. What's wrong with the Seahawks defense? What's wrong with the offense? My question is, do you think teams are playing harder against you guys and other teams? I feel like you're getting the best of everybody. Um, I feel like we've always gotten the best of everybody. Ever since, you know, the year they, they told us we were supposed to win the Super Bowl. I feel like, you know, we were, you know, we were that team that everybody wants to take down, especially after winning the Super Bowl. You know, everybody wants to take you down and stuff like that. And, you know, we got back. You know, nobody said we were going to get back. You know, I feel like each year that, that we've played, we had trials and tribulations that we worked through. And, you know, I think that's what makes us such a good team. So that's how we look at it. We look at it, you know, another season that's, presenting different challenges and you know the question is can we overcome the challenges and you know nobody knows that answer to the question until you know uh january or february whenever the season is is truly over but until then you know nobody has that that answer all right, I got I got a two part question. One, I, most people don't know it's Tuesday, so I don't know if you've watched film of Pittsburgh yet. I'd like to know if you have, it, just as far as your thoughts, real quickly. But then after that, I want you to answer: Who's been the hardest quarterback for you to have to defend? Um, yeah, I, I started watching uh, film a little bit after the game, so uh, I watched Monday and two and then this morning. You know, I feel like you know they have a a very great team. They have a lot of receivers. You know, Big cool. Ben is doing his thing. So, uh, you know, we definitely looking, you know, we're excited to have this this uh, challenge come in. They're going to come in, you know, want to beat us at home. And, uh, you know, we're going to be ready. The crowd going to be ready. Um, as far as the toughest quarterback to face, uh, I think so far for me has been Aaron Rodgers. It's always, you know, the quarterback that doesn't stare down his targets. Right. That, mm. you know, can look to the left but know what route is on that backside and can turn without looking and just throw the ball. So, um, you know, I think you know, when we play him, he definitely did a, a great job. Right. To, to that point, this right here, Chris Sims has always said all year that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback playing right now, and he's gone through tough times. Is there a gap between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? We're taking him out so you can be honest. Not talking about Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers and everybody else, is there a gap? Between them? Between yeah. him and every other quarterback in the NFL in terms of having to defend. Um, I think, you know, he just brings uh, a style of the play that, that people haven't really seen. You know, he's able to throw the ball with with a lot of accuracy, but he's also able to run the ball very, very well. So you have to accommodate for his ability to pass the ball as well as his ability to run the ball. So, so there's a gap. <laughs> I wouldn't say there's a gap because, you know, Tom Brady is doing pretty good and he's not running at all. Right, so, right. Um, you know, I think is, you know, who's being more successful. Look at, you know, Cam Newton. He's, you know, able to run the ball and, and, and throw the ball. They actually have a power play for him. Like, what quarterback right. has a power play for them? So When yes. you look across the line of scrimmage and you see Cam Newton, how much bigger is he than you? <laughs> Shoot, ain't nothing. I feel like I play like 6'7". So. <laughs> you hit like 6'7". Feel me? So I'm not really tripping. Yeah. You know, Bigger, bigger the person, the, the but, more the talk. But I guess what he was getting at is because I've always told Lefko here that he's the biggest quarterback in the history of the NFL. I mean, the first time you see Cam in person, were you like, oh, my gosh, that's the biggest quarterback I've ever seen in my life? 
I mean, you definitely, when you see him, if you don't know football, you wouldn't think he's a quarterback. Right, for sure. right. You know, he definitely looks like a DN, you know, playing quarterback. But, you know, he's just as fast as everybody else. And, you know, like I said, there ain't, I don't think there's, has a, there's a quarterback in history that has a power play specifically mm. for you. Agreed. Hey, uh, you're the man. We root for you. We, we love your defense, uh, and we love the style of play. You know, I, I, I was with Gus Bradley in Tampa, so he always spoke highly of all you guys. I know he had great respect for you guys, but good luck this week. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. See you, man. Right, brother. See you, Bobby. Um, the, the fact that he didn't address the gap, but he just started talking about how good Aaron Rodgers is, Look, I want to argue with you so much and say that Carson Palmer or Cam Newton are the best quarterbacks in the NFL the, the, right now. The, you know, listen, I understand, like, statistically, yeah. everything around them, they're playing at a higher level. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you, put, if you put Carson in Green Bay's offense, uh-oh. Now, Cam, Cam's one of the few guys, he might be able to get away with it. Cause, well, then let's flip this around, because right. you're always saying, well, what if we put a guy in his system? Yeah. What if you put Aaron Rodgers with Bruce Arians? Oof. What happens then? Oof. We're always talking about putting these these less athletic quarterbacks yeah. on an island and watching them fall apart. Right. What happens if you put Aaron Rodgers with Bruce oh Arians? Oh my gosh, that would be an unbelievable combination. Him or you know, put him in New England with Josh McDaniels. He's going to go, oh, man, no wonder it looks so easy for you guys all what these happens? years. What numbers are we talking well, about? Because this is the thing that – this is just – this should end the conversation. When you talk to NFL people and they talk about, let's defend the New England Patriots' offense. Man, how are we going to stop their offense and all the things they do? Offense, offense, offense. You talk about Green Bay, they go, man, how are we going to stop Aaron Rodgers? That's what, they don't say, how are we going to stop that offense? It's how can we contain him? How can we stop him from making crazy throws down the football field? So there's just a difference there. If Aaron Rodgers was on the Arizona Cardinals, yes. scratch that. If Aaron Rodgers was with Bruce Arians, yeah. What numbers would he put up? Oh, he would be leading the NFL. Give me the numbers. I, I mean, as far as the... We're talking over 50 touchdowns? Yeah, we're and, talking he'd be right around that 50 number mark every single year. 5,000 yards? Yeah, right around high 4,000s. Yes, definitely because they throw the ball down the football field. Definitely. Uh, and then, you know what? He probably would throw a few more interceptions than he does now, too. Because Bruce Arians is the type of quarterback that's like... I want you to throw it down there. I want you to get it in. Fit it in there. Yeah. Take the chance. Keep the pressure on the defense. Uh, but I don't know. That's just two starting middle linebackers who right away answered Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. That was. It was Thomas Davis yes. and yeah. uh, our guy, Bobby, Bobby Wagner. Wagner. Yes. Um, so the key, I think, for a good defense is disguising coverages. <laughs> Let me finish. It's about showing you a look and changing a look. Oh, baby. Steven Nelson, not here. Oh. On the down low, not the same. Right. But guess what? What? Josh is stepping back into coverage. Corner blitz, Steven Nelson on the down low, oh! live from Austin, Texas. No, no, you're in Austin. You have to go hook them horns, uh, not shoots, brother, on Put this Put in one. your IFB so you can hear him oh, talk. Oh, wait, i got to hear this guy talk. Yes. That's right. Uh, Steven Nelson, live from Austin, can, Texas. Josh, producer Josh, can I explain to the people now the story be- why he's in Austin, Texas? Yeah, because he's, he's there got, visiting his girlfriend. He's got his girlfriend, girlfriend there. I've said... I always say when he sees his girlfriend, he's got a little more pep in his step, and it's probably going to get cut out of the podcast. I say it every week, viewers. It gets cut out. I'm okay with it. Corey's okay with it. She's laughing in the background. No, I know Corey's okay with it. Yeah, she's, she's all good, but hook them horns for you. Uh, hook them horns. You're all smiles, too. Shocker. <laughs> I just got We literally here. can't have any nice things because you just come in here and do this. <laughs> 
Um, you guys want to go down low, even though I'm not there? Yeah, yes. let's go down hey, low. Uh, Steinmetz. The Warriors have started the year 15-0, and guys, and have sparked the debate. This year's dubs were the 95-96 Chicago Bulls, which, of course, went 72-10. Now, this is a conversation that will continue until Golden State loses its 11th game of the season. But my question for you two, which two NFL teams from any era would you most want to see go head-to-head right now? Beautiful job. There's a, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, so we actually, Nelson, we actually told this to Sid a little <laughs> earlier because we're going to give yeah. him some time to think of some right. ideas. So who were the ones that came to mind? All right. Well, I mean, for my own selfish reasons, I would have loved to seen 86 Giants versus 85 Bears. Mm. 86 Giants had the great defense. 85 Bears, same way. But I think the number one matchup I would love to see, I would love to have seen the 92 Dallas Cowboys who beat the Buffalo Bills 52-17 to in the yes. Super Bowl against the 89 San Francisco 49ers who beat the Denver Broncos 55-10 to in the Super Bowl. Mm. That, to me, uh, those, I think, were the two best teams in football over the last 35 years, in my opinion. It's before the salary cap. Of course, teams were loaded. I know yeah. my father would tell you those Dallas Cowboys teams he played in 92 and 93 were the best teams he ever played against. And I think those 49er teams, of course, would probably be the second one. So, Interesting. Yeah, that would be a cool matchup. I, for me, when I thought about this, I started to think of, I don't know why, I started to think of all the great defenses. Sure. Because I think those are the ones that are memorable. So you think of like 85 Bears, 2,000 Ravens. Right. Or 2,000 Ravens and the Seahawks. And the Seahawks from two years ago. Right. There's just something about seeing two really good defenses go up against each other. Yes. And the clash of that. Right. Um, I'd, I'd also... For me, I'd like to see the 1980 Eagles take on the 1980 Cowboys one more time to relive that NFC Championship game. Oh, my game. gosh. What Just a to, pathetic I, I answer that was. <laughs> Let's watch an NFC Championship game of a losing Super Bowl team and a team that doesn't get there. That's the matchup you came with? No. Oh, my I've gosh. I've already told you it's a defensive Well, that shouldn't even have been in the one Cowboys 80. I'd Eagles like to 80. see the 2-14 and 14 <laughs> Tennessee Titans. I got nothing. All right, Nelson. All right, I like that one. I think it's crazy that, I mean, anybody's even making that comparison, but I guess it's they're 15-0, and 0 and that's understandable. They look so good Do right they now. really? Yeah, they look I can't amazing. watch basketball until the day after the Super Bowl. Okay. Sorry. We'll talk about it. Um, I typically would have a second question here. I'm not going to go as serious or down low. I'm not going to ask DJ Steinmetz to spin that because Sims, as you know, I'm in Austin. I got to do. <laughs> but this is, what I, this is what I wanted to do. While I'm here, I'm going to ask 10 random residents of Austin if they know who Chris Sims is. And I won't lead them at all. Okay. Do you know who Chris Sims is? I like it. Do it. What would you set the over-under at? Out of 10. For people who would say yes. I'm going to do five men and and five women. Okay, man. This is putting me on the spot here. I'm going to say seven. You're going to say oh seven. Oh, my God. I'm How say, egotistical I, are you? What? I'm saying over, under, two and a half. It's Austin, Texas. I am definitely one of the five best quarterbacks in the history okay, of that well, school. I'm factor and this. all there is is Texas Longhorn football in and, that city. And I'm going to tell you this. You are betting on getting all five I guys because you think you're getting two or three girls? You don't know the state of Texas. Most girls know more about football in Texas than uh, most of the guys that work so here you're at Bleacher going, Report. you're going over under seven. I know. That's a, I know. I'm going I, under, it was a no-win situation for me with my answer. I'm going over under two and a half. <laughs> two and okay. a half. Yeah, two and a half. 
I just we just went lunch, Corey and I, and I saw this guy. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a test run, right, uh, for this thing. So I go up to him and I'm like, Hey, man, how's it going? I mean, shoot shoot the breeze for a second. It's like, Hey, do you know you know who Chris Sims is? And he looks at me like this, and he without he st- keeps staring at me. Pulls his phone out, and his fo- like lock screen is him next to Ricky Williams. And he's like, Yeah, I know who Chris Sims is. <laughs> That doesn't count. One for one. No, that's not part of the 10. That was a test. I don't care. That was a hot one, though, right there. <laughs> Man. It was a hot one. It was a hot one. Okay. All right. We're going to see if Sims's ego can win or if my unpredictability prevails. <laughs> Steven Nelson, you are the man, brother. Be good, man. Enjoy it. Tell Corey hey. hello. He says hello back. Go get to work, soldier. <laughs> All right. You think seven. I have, the way you play that is, I don't know if anyone remembers anymore. I, I'd be lucky. That would, I'd be happy to get that one. That would be the Phil Sims CBS answer, okay? That, this is Chris Sims' Bleacher Report. I just throw out honesty, okay? If your dad could say what he really wanted to say on TV, oh, how would different be a lot would the better. broadcast? People, I think my dad's maybe the most, one of the most misunderstood personalities in all of TV. People, I, mean, I think everybody thinks he's like Mr. SpongeBob SquarePants. And if they realized him, <laughs> if they realized and met him, they would be like, "Oh man, he talks a lot of crap. He cusses all the time, just like I do." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's misunderstood. I think a lot of people think my dad's a nerd. They don't realize he's. Well, what's cool. really funny is so like I'll watch Inside the NFL, and they're always bagging on Phil. Right. And I feel like it's because they know that the only time they're going to be able to come at Phil and he doesn't respond exactly. is on TV. Because your dad is very measured. Your dad's like. At least pay my checks. Big and angle mess this <laughs> right. up. But then the camera goes off and he's like, ah. Yeah, he's been killing them all morning before they shoot the, shoot the show. So yeah. the show starts and they can finally I get I'm very in. excited for the season to end. I'm not excited for the season to end. I'm excited for the season to end to get Phil on the podcast in here. Yeah, that'll be and good. And let's show some real we Phil good. Sims. And that's one, one. So we can really get some good questions, even from fans. Because, I mean, we could get fans like, you know, Reggie, Mr. SpongeBob Reggie Square White points. is Lawrence Taylor stories that are the best. And he's got a Twitter account of his own to, slick, uh, to take questions from. I keep so. forgetting that my yes. father that. Dad is on Twitter. Can you yes. believe it? All right, so you want to do some picks? Yeah, let's do some I'm game picks. I'm not excited about it. I'm going to host it this week since Nelson is clearly busy down in Austin, Texas, interviewing people about whether they know just, Chris Sims. Yeah, Canelo Alvarez, dude. You. you were Cotto last week. I was Canelo. You're the older one. You're so Cotto. after last week, winner. Sims, you picked up another game, so your record on the season is 38-19. and 19. Chip, And again, chip, and again. Chip, chip, chip. Uh, the difference was Denver, Chicago, Chicago, Denver. Right. Chicago had the ball on the goal line two times, lost by single digits. Great. I mean, Denver had the ball for, first to goal on the one, and they didn't score a point al- either. It's always been a 50-50 game. They're tough games, yes. But I'm going to say this. I might, I might mess this week up. Good. All, All right, right, guys. First excited. game, the I Giants visiting out. the Redskins. And Lefko, you're going to go first on this one. Hey, okay. get comfortable. I am. I'm sick of this couch, too, by the way. I don't look, look at this my belly and chest, I have muscles, and I am not chubby in the midsection, yet I look chubby here. I don't know, Sims. <laughs> Everyone tells me I'm the attractive one. I'm going to go uh, Giants. I think a few main reasons. One, when I look back the last time they played, Giants dominated that game. Right. Kirk Cousins was all over the place. Right. Uh, a Matt Jones fumble was huge, but... I, I got to think that Washington was, was proven wrong as a fraud because they the two weeks before had beaten the Saints. And who was the other team they beat? Uh, yeah, they killed uh, Kirk Cousins. Tampa Bay. Tampa, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, yes. Uh, I think that the Giants, after a bye week, I think Coughlin's a better coach. I think Eli's a better quarterback, and I'm going with the Giants. Yeah, I understand that. I, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I'm going with the Giants as well. 
even though I, I think really Washington's probably the better football team. I'm going with exactly what you said. Tom Coughlin's the better coach. Yeah. And I'm trusting Eli Manning more than I am Kirk Cousins. I, yeah, I just. Everyone went crazy with the Kirk Cousins. Whoa, he exposed the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, the, the Saints, they, they don't even know how to play defense. Kirk Cousins last week had a bomb to Deshaun Jackson. They returned a kickoff for a touchdown. They scored on a safety with less than a minute left. Exactly so they right. scored so the seven points little, on one play. Right. A little skewed. I mean, Next. Look, Giants aren't Carolina. But. Yeah. Definitely. Next game, Minnesota at Atlanta. Uh, I know this one's going to be tough because oh Devontae this Freeman is, the is in the concussion protocol right now. Right. But we pick the games on Tuesday. That's what we do. Yep. So this is Minnesota at Atlanta. This, Woo. to me, is the hardest game to pick. And Sims, I, you're up first. I am. I thought Lefko always goes first. I'll go first. Uh, sorry. That's Cam, fine. I don't stay care. With me. Stay with me, camera guy. Uh, I guess my issue with this is this. Minnesota is, I believe, the better team right. with a worse quarterback. Right. But I also don't really trust Matt Ryan. Right. But when I went back and watched Falcons-Colts, I went, wow, Falcons dominated this game. Right. A few penalties helped the Colts. The defense was looking good. Yep. Uh, the Vikings wide receivers I don't see getting open right. against Trufant and Alford. Right. Um, but I also kind of go, man, if the Vikings just pound the rock with Adrian Peterson, they have a decided advantage. But I also go, man, no one in this league is, is guarding Julio Jones. Oof. You watch the Colts-Falcons game, Vontae Davis is running. He's just like, I I can't stop this guy. Julio Jones is incredible. I am going to go with, in the battle of the frauds, in the battle of the Vikings and Falcons, who I think are the biggest frauds ever, I'm going with Atlanta, and I'm going with the quarterback coach again. I do like Quinn's game plans. I do like Kyle Shanahan's game plans. And I do think North Turner has been doing weird stuff lately. Yeah. Weird stuff lately. I'm going Falcons, but I also could completely see the Vikings winning. The, the, I, I agree with you. I think it's the toughest game of the week to pick, too, because I, I, I do think you're right. I mean, Quinn, Kyle, I would take them in that matchup uh, as far as the coaching goes, even though I respect yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, I respect Zimmer and North. Woo! I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. It's a smart move. I, I don't know if it's smart. I really don't, because I, I have very little trust in Teddy Bridgewater myself as the well. Vi- my issue with the Vikings is this. They will not. The Falcons can lose the game. Right. The Vikings will not lose the game, but they sure as heck ain't going to win. They don't it. always win it. Exactly. The Falcons will try to win it. Yeah. Which could also throw backfire and make them lose. Jackson. Right. Exactly. All right, guys, we got four games left to go Sorry. here, so I'm going to take like one line from each of you guys oh, on damn. these games. How yeah. dare you overproduce me? Pittsburgh at Seattle. Pittsburgh at Seattle. Pittsburgh at Seattle. I already made my pick, so I'm not going to change. Uh, you way, already made your pick. pick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going Pittsburgh. I'm going Pittsburgh, too. Man, you're going Pittsburgh? How I am. dare you do that to f- Bobby Wagner? I'm not worried about Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner's going to play great. Ben's going to be running a little bit. But I'll tell you what, Russell Wilson's going to be laying on his back. <laughs> yeah. That is going to be interesting because you watched Pittsburgh with me as well. They do a lot of creative stuff on the defensive side of the ball. They have the most athletic linebacking core in football. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna give that coaching staff an extra week too. Just exactly saying. right. That's a Philly very good point. at Detroit will be the next game. I have mine written down. <laughs> go first, man. Philly this segment takes less when you go first because I talk too much. Yeah, yeah, you do talk too much. Shocker there. Uh, Detroit and Philly. Man, I hate this game. I'm going with the Detroit Lions. I went with the Detroit Lions wow. too. Wow, what a you're just a bad fan. Well, partially bad because friend, every time I pick fan. against the Eagles, they win. They win. But also because the Detroit Lions defense has been impressive. Yeah. The Eagles offense has been awful. Uh-huh. And I think I saw something really scary of that Eagles defense. And we'll talk about this later in videos yeah. about trusting Chip Kelly. Right. My biggest knock on Chip Kelly. Yeah. He doesn't have enough people around him that are saying no. And the fact that he has looked at Billy Davis and went. Let's keep that guy here. 
That's why I'm questioning Chip Kelly. Because Billy Davis is putting, oh, Calvin Johnson, well, Golden Well, I understand Tate. that. And I also look at, you know, there are, I know I'm long, but like Pat Shermer, he's their offensive coordinator. He would be in that group of those true West Coastians that sometimes, yeah, I'm a little concerned about the imagination of the pass game. I'm going with the Lions. Carolina-Dallas. <laughs> Thanksgiving game. is going to stick. Carolina-Dallas. Bam. Who are you going with? Go ahead. I am going. I have ridden their train too long. I have loved this team the whole year. I am not going to be one of those people that jumps off and goes to the Dallas Cowboys. What's incredible, I am going with the Carolina Panthers. What's incredible to me when I looked back at it. So basically the spiel you gave about about one of the five teams that can go to the Super Bowl, they're going to be out of the Super Bowl this weekend. Yeah, I think they're out of it. No, I think what's crazy to me is the Panthers have been underdogs to Seattle and Green Bay, I think, this season. When this game kicks off, I bet you they're going to be an underdog to the Dallas Cowboys. I bet you they're not. I bet you by kickoff they're a one-point favorite. I bet you big money in Vegas. It started off as one-point favorite. Yeah, but they've been double-digit favorites only once to huh. the New Orleans Saints. Right. And they've beat the spread like eight times. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers as well. Yeah, I know. I, I, uh, listen, it's, I, watched, it. I watched that Cowboys film. I mean, I like it, but second game back, Romo, uh, you know. Well, like, I know producer Cam right there. Right. He's saying, I'm jumping all over the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Joe Editor-in-chief Joe Yannarello, right. all over the Dallas Cowboys. Right. A lot of the betting money is going to the Cowboys. Yeah. I, I just, Carolina's proven it to me. Carolina's front seven, they're secondary. Uh, I am, you know, I am one that is not a big fan of Darren McFadden. I don't really understand it. Uh, that's the one thing. I look at Dallas and go, man, if they had a really legit starting running back, uh, they wouldn't be in the two and seven. We are going to see in terms of coming out parties. Turbin looked Cam, good last week. Beyond, beyond Cam and all that. Right. Josh Norman shuts down Dez. He's a household name. Thanksgiving. Could be. Yes. And the last game I got for you guys, New England at Denver. This is the last game. Uh, I picked the Patriots. Yeah, me too. I want to see Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins has gone. That's three three games he's missed. But, yeah, yeah, I'm going New England as well. Um, Even after all you talked about, the the Denver secondary. Yes. Yeah, I I think it's going to be really ugly and hard. I can see Tom making less mistakes than Brock. Right. But but Josh, uh, like I told you, I think he's got a beat on Wade Phillips. And exactly right. Mm. I I trust that. What else? That's all I got for you guys. That's all we got. That's the end of the game picks. I want to say one thing else before we go. Go ahead. Um, and I think we were, you were talking about it glowingly earlier about Jeff Fisher, and I, I have an issue on Jeff Fisher's team yeah. that I kind of want to bring up. All right, do um, it. I saw something this past weekend that really scared me, and it made me sad and made me angry, and that was video of Case Keenum getting knocked out, clearly concussed, and then playing the next play. And I think I'm stunned in a few different ways. I think that the public is upset with the NFL in so many different avenues right now. Right. I saw more highlights on the Today Show about this than I did on ESPN. Yep. Than I did on major football and sports blogs. Right. I'm seeing the outside public, the non-in-the-weeds public, discussing this more than the football community. Right. And I guess my issue is this. We want, and this includes us, I know it includes you and me, we want the NFL to be smarter and more publicly conscious about issues that impact them, like domestic violence. And yet they can't even do the one thing they're supposed to do, which is protect their players. In the one organization that just signed Wes Welker, around the same time that a movie is coming out called Concussion, 
you say that you did not see this happen and it escaped your frame of reference. I saw it happen. Non-football fans saw it happen. If people watching television can see a man concussed and go, why is he still in the game, but the head coach on the field, if Nick Foles is running back and throwing on a helmet because he's seeing it happen, you can't say you didn't see it happen because everybody saw it happen. If the NFL is going to figure this out, right. you got to start with the most basic thing ever. you got to protect your employees. Yes. If they are going to be in danger, how can we expect you to fix anything else? All right, well, two things. You said ESPN, none of those showed the plays a whole lot. It always makes me think, well, they're corporate partners. I wonder if they just don't want to disgruntle the NFL a little bit. Other thing I'll say, I love your point, but I don't totally agree with you with the Jeff Fisher part of it. He's the head coach of the football team. It's not his job to be the medical advisor, the guy up in the booth who's supposed to spot these kind of things. He's he who knows he might have been talking to his defensive coordinator. You know he's got a Frank Sinetti, the offensive coordinator. Yes. So I don't think you can place blame on Jeff Fisher. I mean Jeff Fisher might have been going over what they want to do on defense the next series. Turns around he sees Case Keenum like yes. people looking at him, but he doesn't really know what, what happened. What frustrates me, Chris, is when we have a domestic violence problem in the NFL. What yeah. do they do? They hire more people to figure out the domestic violence problem. Right. What was the NFL's response to the concussion issue? We're going to hire more people right. to look out for it. Right. You don't need to hire more people. You <laughs> need to fix the problem. Hiring more people to look, you had a set of eyeballs. If Cheryl can call in from her couch and go, why is he playing? <laughs> then you should have a professional there to figure it out. Yeah. The NFL has been reactionary in a number of issues. They are not been proactive. And to be honest, if you can't protect your players, right. then you're in trouble. I, 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 I'm with you. You're but exactly, I, understand I don't know what if they rule. I'm just saying about fish. I understand all I your understand. points, and I think they're right. But uh, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure the NFL really cares about protecting players. They just want it to seem that way publicly. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing too. Uh, I, I think that I, I forgot what my point was about to be there, but um, I blanked out on that. It's great. Yeah. You know what? Probably because you got hit too hard. <laughs> Too good, many right? hits. Right, I don't think it's bad to have a serious conversation. No, to I end think it. that's It's fine. something thoughtful. Right. Some great games upcoming. Yep. Thanksgiving is going to be a blast, except when the Eagles lose to the Detroit Lions. I'm literally sitting around all day right. just gloom and doom. But your dad's on oh, the call. I know what I wanted to say about the concussion it's, thing. Oh, Too late? What is it? Well, well, I'm old school. Just make the player sign a waiver. I mean, sign a waiver. If I don't want to come out of the game when my head's a little ringy, I mean, I'm a grown man. I don't want to come out. I want to keep playing quarterback. That's what I would have done. I'd be like, F you. Get out of my face. I'm staying in the game. Yeah, I think it's a uh – I'm very interested to see when this movie comes out, the public's take on it, the movie Concussion. Yeah. Uh, I'm very interested to see the NFL's take on it. Right. But as we've always said, the league's bringing in cash, and that's what the owners care about. What's your turkey turkey plate look like? What do you do? And you're, you're like, I'm a huge stuffing guy. Yeah. As all I know, and I want the crispy part of the stuffing. Right. I don't want the middle gushy part. I want the crispy part. The rest of it, to me, and I want dark meat. I'm not trying to eat white meat. I want dark meat and crispy stuffing. Right. The rest of it is ancillary products. Yeah. Cranberry? Yeah, I'm okay. Negative Ghost Rider. That pattern's full. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't know. Stuffing, sweet potatoes, Ooh. and souffle, says well, Steve Gabe Gomez. souffle would be good. Yeah, What's I'm yours? Just, wh- white meat. I want only white meat. I want stuffing and mashed potatoes, and that's really all I'm going to put on my plate. 
That sounds yeah. great. I'm with you. All right, Josh, what are you putting on your plate as we sign off? Uh, dark meat and stuffing. And dark lots meat and stuffing. Dark meats and stuffing. Yeah. We already got Gabe's. <laughs> Gabe, show the fingers. This is a sweet potato souffle finger. Oh, Peace and out. Oh, Cut two up. fingers today. And uh, control room, what do you guys want on your plates? Just show me visually. Oh. Cam, Cam's going with uh, Cam and Paul. Cam, both, Cam Paul both said, I want two plates. Man, there's so much funny stuff I can say, but I'm censored. I can't say That's it. That's good. Yeah. I hate he said, I want two plates. All right, Sims and Lefko, episode 40, The Gal Sayers, episode in the books. Yeah. Thanks to Bobby Wagner. Uh, follow, Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on social media. We're going to be putting a lot of clips out there in the next few weeks. Uh, but enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy the games. And we're closing in on the playoff run. These conversations are going to get much more in-depth and much more serious. They're only going to get better on the Sims and Lefko podcast. Peace out.